Hello and welcome back, or welcome to Thought Leaders, Future Shapers, a podcast brought to you by Committee for Ballarat, and we aim to inspire diverse thought leadership to unlock potential. I'm Michael Poulton, CEO for Committee for Ballarat, and am privileged to hear the amazing stories of leadership and innovation in our work with members every day of the week. This podcast is a chance to share those stories more broadly, in a setting that allows you to listen when it suits you. Each episode will feature an inspiring thought leader future shaper, and I can't wait to share their stories with you. Proudly, our podcast partner, Runway Ballarat, are also passionate about the stories of leadership, innovation, hustle, and ingenuity through their work fostering business startups and promoting collaboration. Thought Leaders Future Shapers is recorded right here in Ballarat in Runway's podcast studio. Before we start, I acknowledge that we are recording today's podcast on the traditional lands of the Wathaurong people. I welcome all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who might be joining us today, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Today's thought leader, future shaper, is Troy Beeston, the general manager of Eureka Concrete. Troy Beeston, welcome to Thought Leaders, Future Shapers. Thank you, Michael. Troy, the business goes back a while. It's uh, close to its 50th year. It was a uh, a small business in a thriving metropolis that was essentially started by your father, your mother, and a couple of business partners. 47 years on, your remarkable trucks are around the town. They're impossible to miss. Nicholson Construction gave you a kick along in the, in the mid-80s with the, the state government building there on the corner of Mare Street and, and Doveton Street. And since that time, you've continued to expand. Pick up the story for us. Where is the company at right now? And paint a snapshot for us of what it looks like today. Yeah, thanks, Michael, for the introduction. Yes, 1990s was probably when I got involved with the business, and we probably ran parallel um, to the with the growth of Ballarat from that time. Um, at that point, Jason, my brother, was there, and and my father was working pretty strongly at the time, and we followed the parallels of the growth of Ballarat so from 1990 through to now so we are we are nearly 49 50 years old now so 1972 May 1972 and as you mentioned the Nicholson construction project at the um, the state government building on the corner there was probably what projected us into a, a bit of a growth um, put a bit of confidence in our business and from there on we followed and hit more into the domestic market um, and then had the confidence to take on some other big projects and it's quite funny now um, we have a close association with Richard Nicholson and uh, Richard's now doing the government hub so at this point in time it's it's quite a um, promotional product to talk about but we've more or less created our business on the back of confidence in Ballarat. Um, we, we like to, especially when you go to committee for Ballarat um, nights and, and projects and, and placements that they have, we go away with confidence that you continue to invest in Ballarat to enable um, to enable the, the business to grow. So it's, it's, it's purely about confidence. But I, w- I just want to mention it, it came purely on the back of hard work. Um, and and not, you know, nothing's hard in, in life, but what it is, it's consistent. You've just got to continue to be consistent, um, not pinch hit it and... Um, yeah, so we found where we're at now. We think we're an established business now and use some of the basics to, to um, look after the Ballarat people and surrounding areas. Well, certainly, uh, we'll get to the hard work and consistency piece uh, shortly. Um, 
70 odd staff, 45 trucks, uh, you've consolidated your business pretty well. And you're still on that same side up there at Latrobe Street. It's, it's grown enormously. It's funny, we mention a lot of the times, especially at the bookends of the day, uh, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And if people from Ballarat haven't been up around Latrobe Street, also 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, the traffic up in Latrobe Street is amazing. Um, we are putting lights at the corner of uh, Wilshire Lane on Latrobe Street, yep. and hopefully um, we, we can see some congestion ease. But right along Latrobe Street, it's, it's probably an area that a lot of people try and avoid, but at the same time have to go there for necessity. But there's some great business along Latrobe Street, um, great appearances. As a street, we try and work together in creating a, a more visual um, appearance. Um, some great buildings, Ray Fish, Bridges Wade. Uh, hopefully our own business can promote um, quality. Um, and, and then you've got your total tools and, and those sort of businesses right along Latrobe Street. So it has become less vibrant with without the, the so, sale yards. Sale yards, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But farmers, once again, to their credit, they show a lot of loyalty. And they're always in, in and amongst Latrobe Street. And we're very, very fortunate to have good people like the, the Western District areas and, and the farmers from the all around Ballarat that can still continue to support a lot of local businesses in Latrobe Street. And there's plenty of ag businesses up that way and I, um, I, I suspect that the, uh, the change you've seen is, is just the, the traffic, the congestion you spoke about, the, the increased volume of, uh, of industry around there. But, but you, as you said, there's some really good businesses starting to appear. Tell me a little bit about the, uh, the other side of the road from you, the, uh, the sale yards. What are, what are your thoughts around the sale yards and the potential perhaps that it has? Look, my, f- my opinion, I have spoke to the council, is I think it should be parkland. Um, we, we have got some issues with, especially our business being an industrial business, and they're trying to maybe create urban growth maybe there. I think parkland's the best option. Making walking tracks, seems like walking tracks seem to be a, a great topic. Um, so I'd be, I'd be looking at creating f- more parkland, more, more green space, um, to those that have been to the to New York, mm. Central well, Park, mm. how well they do Central Park, and mm. I can't see why we can't incorporate Vic Park and create that down there. Definitely keep the heritage building. Um, we've got the heritage, a couple of heritage buildings that need to stay, create a history of the Sayards. I'm not sure how long they've been there, but I think um, be over over 90 odd years, I'd say. So they need to create a green space, create a park, keep the keep the heritage and incorporate all the way into Vic Park and all the way up to Sturt Street. It's a great vision, and it's a great vision because uh, Vic Park, I think, is one of those lost opportunities in town in many ways. We know how good the lake is. Um, Vic Park often is forgotten, and uh, if you think about that you're creating a, a green um, shoulder, I suppose, a, a green corridor really from the, from the sale yards right through the lake, it'd be pretty special, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I think the runners, bike riders, those sort of people that really enjoy that outlet... They'd, know, they'd love to do an 11 or 12k run around the lake and around Vic Park. Yeah. I don't know if I could, but... <laughs> Once upon a time. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You're talking there about community, Troy, and uh, you know, providing an asset for the community, and, and great to hear you talking that way. I wonder um, how important has community been to your business over that period of time, and what has the business put back in a community? We're very fortunate. We're, we're in a... We're in a, a business dominated by multinational businesses, so... Our whole whole forty eight years is we've promoted lo- local people. Um, so to us, 
it's pretty much everything. And for a lot of Ballarat people, local connections is everything in Ballarat. Um, it's it's going to continue that way. We're a, we're a small town when it comes to connections, but we're also a big town when it comes to growth. Um, so it's it's probably the it's the backbone of our business is being local and dealing with local people. Um, continual referrals is something that we really like to do. One of the one of the main reasons committee for Ballarat was the inception of it all was about about connections and local connections, but also about the networking that's going on. And one of the great things is you can fall back on the committee for Ballarat to to see what other businesses are and the other local businesses in 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 the town. So um, yeah, so. There's a lot of things we do that is a little bit more distinguished from our, our, our competitors. We we do support local advertising, whether it be your paper and your TVs and your radios, whether it be buying a local car. You know, our businesses that are in our game and our competitors don't don't have the opportunity to do that. You know, whether it be dealing with a local banker, you know, we deal with the local people. And, and that's what we want to do. And that's what people want to do with us. They want to deal with us because we are local. Again, it's a great message. And I just wonder, can you take me back to perhaps where that was founded, that sort of sense of local community, local connection? Is, is it as simple as, you know, that's what the family business has been, has been built on? Where, where, does that, where does that attitude around supporting the local business really come from? So the attitude definitely comes with a referral, um, continuous close connections whether you know you, you we're involved in an industry it's, it's building so it might be plumbers electricians bricklayers concreters any of those sort of guys we, it's so easy for us to refer to people and, and mention that they've been referred so you, you're continually working on that and it, you know what it's fundamental basics that's all it is it's basic stuff but you do it you, you do it and you know damn well it's coming back your way especially in Ballarat it's um great one of the other things we try and do is we support and sponsor clubs and community events. Basic stuff again, you know. We have Springfest in Ballarat. Support things like Springfest and, and your bike rides, your Fiona Elsie bike ride. You know, you continue to do those things. And look, it's probably not our demographic with who we, we're chasing, but at the same time, it still eventually gets back to you. It Great for your reputation. It Great is. People, yeah. But you know what? As a business, we love doing it. We really do. We think it's great. You've seen a fair bit of change in that business, I suspect, and uh, um, you know the domestic housing market is still very strong in this town. Let's just uh, turn our attention to the, the wind turbines. You know, we sit here on the, the highest uh, density of wind turbine in any region in the country. Um, been significant growth out to the south of the town particularly, but also in the north of the town. How significant has that been, do you think, as a new industry coming to town, and what opportunities has it created for you guys specifically? I think Ballarat need to fall heavily onto this industry. Um, it's creating so much employment. But at the same time, Michael, it's a pretty sensitive subject. We've got to be a bit careful, you know. And But from our point of view, it's been a great system. We've we've been involved with wind farms probably for 10 years now and another wind farm coming up shortly south of Ballarat. But the, the flow-on effect it has for our business and for other businesses around the areas is amazing. Um, it's... It's it's very underestimated how big they are. They, for us, it, it, it was forty percent extra on top of our business, you know. And so then you have to create more employment, um, more equipment, more trucks. But then the flow-on effect is 
the maintenance of trucks, you know, the more servicing of trucks, the more parts for trucks. You know, same with with clothing and uniform for everything gets worn out quicker and you're wearing out men and but they are hard. They they're hard work. But at the same time it can be, like I said, a sensitive subject, but if you look at it from a job point of view, um, creating employment, creating opportunities for people, fantastic. And Ballarat, I think Ararat was pretty keen to try and look at taking control of that sort of industry, but Ballarat needs to keep pushing in the forefront and hopefully take over um, and look after the whole surrounding area. Well, it's certainly an area that's uh, dear to committee's heart in terms of uh, renewable energy and the innovation that comes with it and jobs growth that can, can accompany that. Um, it is the way of the future and um, the costs of renewables are coming down. Uh, and as you say, the employment opportunities are, are going up because uh, there's a massive demand here for re- renewable energy and energy into the, into the future generations. So um, um, well done for getting involved. And no, well, it was good. They've, they've been great. And once again, they create local Kent. They, they want local content and we once again utilise that and try and get involved. And once again, people are very good in supporting that, that system. To talk, uh, you mentioned before about the business being built on hard work and consistency. Just um, elaborate on that a little bit for us. What, what does consistency mean in terms of your ability to build a business over 50 years? Consistency, firstly, is not about pinch hitting anything you do within the business. So it's all about discipline. So it's discipline yourself and when you work. So consistency is all about being there all the time. But at the same time, it's it's... It's the integrity you need to show to yourself. So it's discipline, responsibility, integrity to yourself. But what happens is that flows on and the consistency will happen after that. What I mean by that is um, our integrity for yourself will always flow on to the next person, whether it be your staff, whether it be your client, whether it be your middle managers, um, whatever per- people you're involved with. So That's great leadership. Yeah, so... The consistency is purely on being there and being involved because I think being at a workplace continuously, you do fall, you do understand the culture of what people are trying to achieve themselves and and the appearances that they want they want to achieve and create. People would see your trucks every day of the week. They're zipping around the streets, they're on building sites. Uh, I probably had a slab poured some point in time by uh, by Eureka Concrete. What what does what does a day look like for for someone in in the business? We probably start most mornings five thirty, um, so they'd be the first operator there by five thirty in the morning. Some days you could see twenty uh, tipper trucks coming in with sand and gravel. You could also see three or four loads of cement come in per day. And then you'll see by 6 o'clock your batches starting to batch concrete for 6, 6.30 concrete. So on site around 7 o'clock most days. Um, so the, the batching and production side of things happens around 6, 6.30. Um, your, your processes with your, your materials coming in starts around 6 o'clock. But that rolls through the day. So we, we're continually doing... Uh, Fortunately and unfortunately for our game, we do 70% of our work before 12 o'clock. So we, we're actually doing all our work from 6 Pretty to 12. Work in the morning. Yeah. So it's all, all morning work. So we're always looking for a, a coffee pretty early in the morning. Probably <laughs> looking for our second coffee about 8 o'clock. <laughs> but, you know, your, your administration and that probably don't come in until 7.30, 8 o'clock. And, um, but the, the phones, 
uh, are probably the major part. You answer the phone, you get the work, and you know you, as you know, respond to emails. You, you get involved in work, and and that's what you what the work looks like. But yeah, once your twelve o'clock work's done, you're pretty much spending the rest of the afternoon planning the next day. So most of your pours would take place in the morning. Most major pours will be um, first up, so might be any start at seven o'clock and finish by 11, 12 o'clock, um, depending on how big the pours are. And then you do a few bits and pieces, do it yourself work in the afternoons. Just for our listeners' sake, um, the technology changed. 50 years is a long time to be in business. You had a small plant when you first opened a long, long time ago. It's a much bigger plant now with 45 yeah. trucks. What's, what changes have you seen in the technology of actual the, the, the production of cement in that time? Look, the, the technology's just continuous. Um, an example of that is tracking of, of, your, of your trucks. Um, they've got GPS tracking, a bit like a, an Uber system now where you can follow your Uber when you order an Uber in. We're trying to create that now where a concrete or someone on site, a builder on site, can actually see where his truck's coming. But right back in the 70s, everything was done manually. So uh, even your cement was manually put in the hoppers in 40 kilogram bags. And 40 it's kilograms, you're not, allowed, you're not allowed to carry 40 kilograms anymore, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. But And then we sort of went to what was called delivery of bulk cement. But as you batch concrete, it was all done manually. So you actually had to turn a tap on for water or you had to turn on a tap to put in additives. You had to use manual figures to to create the mixes so to, to stay accurate. The state office is still standing, which Nixon's would gladly be helpful for, but the you know the work that we did back then compared to the government hub uh it's all it's all just no manual handling it's all computer operated and your plc does all the work for you and fortunate for us we can tell what the plc to do and it'll eventually do it so the the innovations in concrete um just in mixed designs um different projects that we can do now they um they've got permeable concrete They've got concrete for tilt-up slabs. You know, this has all only been introduced in the last 20 years. And But premix concrete's only been around for probably 60 years in, in Ballarat, you know. 1950s when the Europeans and the Italians all came out and they used to mix it by hand in Ballarat and there's still a lot of mixes in Ballarat and the Ballarat Central that are that were hand-mixed. In small batches, yeah. Yeah, yeah small yeah. batches. Remarkable uh, history. And uh, I think uh, if we look at GovHub now and... Uh, the innovation in that building compared to you know, across the road in the state government office, it's um, pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, we we all did what we could at the time. Absolutely. And yeah. it was... Best practice all, back then. It was, it's all relevant, isn't it, Michael? Absolutely. You know? And yeah. I, yeah. I think everyone does the best they can at the time, so... Troy, let's, um, let's project ourselves forward a bit. Um, you know, we look at... Uh, 20 years' time, uh, even 10 years' time, and we're talking about significant population growth in, in Ballarat. Um, COVID-19 will have an impact on that without doubt, um, whether that means more people will come living in regional areas or we'll have less population growth because migration particularly will be down. What do you look at? How do you, how do you view the, the next 20 years in terms of Ballarat? Um, what are its opportunities? Um, what are the implications? What do, what do you think about this growing population that we're sitting on now and, and, and arguably a place that's going to have 200,000 people in it? Yeah, it's interesting. I think some of the figures say 200,000 by 2040, I think, Michael, but some of the projections by the city of Ballarat. Interesting, probably the bit, 
you know, I think you talk about the opportunities and some of the threats that can happen and the opportunities are we need to continue to grow our businesses, all of us in Ballarat, and once again you, you build that on the back of confidence of, of those population growths. Probably the biggest I, I, I look at it's a threat and an opportunity, but we need to continue to educate. We need to create infrastructure to, for education. We need to create infrastructure for for health, um, whether it be new hospitals. And, we, and you know what, we actually do it very well at the moment. We've created new ambulance stations, new fire stations, new police stations, and we're doing that very well. But we need to continue to do it. Uh, if we're going to push for this 200,000 by 2040, we need to work hard at looking at those systems and making sure that we do those. But they're the main things, you know, your security, your education, your health, they're, they're the main things you, you need to look at. But at the same time, we're, we're growing with little, like your Dallacombe Town Centres and your Lucas community areas, we're creating these little satellite towns within the city, within Ballarat, and I think that's the way it's going to handle handle the, the, the continuous growth. We need to ensure that the infrastructure is around in those developments, don't we? And it's interesting when you look at... Uh, you know, Lucas Primary School now, a, a new primary school in town servicing a, a huge growth area. It's not unimaginable to think that there'll need to be another high school potential or a secondary school up that way somewhere because uh, the growth will just continue, won't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And housing will continue. Look, probably the biggest thing is is traffic flow. We, uh, I've already mentioned Latrobe Street, but there's been some real issues there. Whether we try and include and, and improve more tra- public transport, um, whether it be busing in and out of, of these little areas like your Lucas and Delacombs, but we need to look at it. So looking forward to 2040, they're the sort of things we need to continue this green space, making making walking areas, bike paths, making it safe for, the, for everyone in the city. You're kind of leading me to this next question, Troy, and I, I have to ask it, but uh, in your in your 40-odd years, uh, you've talked about the business growth, you've talked about the, the growth of the city, you've talked about some areas of community. What have you come to understand the most about Ballarat in your time? Yeah. I'm off script, I know, but uh, no, what, no, what you, a, if you think back in your time, what have you come to understand the most? In Ballarat, we... We were very, we weren't narrow-minded, but we, we've had stages where we've, we've sat still. Um, we've be, become very more innovative in the way we go about future developments. Um, back, back earlier, what, what I understood was we went through stages we actually couldn't even get passes of land in Ballarat. But now we see a foresight, you know, um, the foresight now with, with further growth and further land parcels and where we want to see growth and where we want to see roads and how we want Melbourne to connect and how we want uh, industrial places to connect like BWES and these sort of projects, the airports and these sort of things. They're the things that I'm starting to see from the last 40 years to now that we've become such a, a great improver um, in, ta- in this in this city. So very good to see. So. It's a great, uh, great answer, and, and it maybe leads me to the next question in terms of if you had uh, two things you could say to our city leaders in terms of what you understand and what you think the future might look like, what advice do you reckon you'd be giving? I'd probably go back to the basics again, Michael. Go back to that resilience. We need to, we need to have that resilience. 
once again provide consistency. These are things we, we need to work on, back a hard work and look at um, all working and striving in the one, one direction, especially in Ballarat, you know, committee for, committee for Ballarat, Ballarat Commerce they, they, and the City of Ballarat, they all work closely together now, so it, it, it's definitely one direction um, and that's why it's, why it's such a great place. But probably at the end of the day, it'd be resilience and consistency. So, you got kids? I've got three. Three? Yes. Boys so or girls? I've got a girl, 19, a boy, just turned 18, just got his licence, and my daughter's 15 at Loretto. Yeah, where, do you, where do you see them as adults with, uh, when they've got their own kids? Are they in Ballarat? What does Ballarat look like when they're in Ballarat? That's really good because, you know, not many people... I've stayed in Ballarat all my life, and the guys I go to school with, there's not many of us that have stayed in Ballarat... Um, been to St Pat's and stayed in Ballarat right through their whole lives. And I'd love to see my kids stay in Ballarat. There's so many opportunities to stay here. And creating these little satellite places where, you, you know, it might be an opportunity to work in health or there might be an opportunity... I don't know if they'd want to work in Eureka Concrete. I'm not too Someone sure surely must have to carry oh, on the business. Geez. I'm getting a bit worn out, Michael, so <laughs> it might be not a bad option. I could probably play a bit more golf. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, so I'd love to see the kids. I think, you know, we'd be mad if we didn't stay here. Um, it, there's so much opportunity employment-wise. We'll continue to grow. We'll continue to build roads. We'll continue to build hospitals and, and schools and the innovation side of things and, you know, even things you can go back a step and look at, you know, we're looking at um, aged care and these sort of and those sort of things that are coming into into Ballarat a lot more so there's so much opportunities in this in this town and it's clear it's clear you see so many people coming in from Melbourne and and from other even even country areas now looking to push into Ballarat um, especially elderly on farms and they want to push in here and it's just clear that this is the way Ballarat wants to be be an attractive city and we've got so much opportunities and and our, our appearance is continuing to look good. Mm. So how do you how do you respond to people who say, ah, oh, Ballarat's getting too big, it's too busy, you know, get rid of these people here. Too cold. Pop, too cold, yeah, exactly. So how do, how do you respond to those who kind of, I guess, um, bag population growth and yeah, don't yeah. see it as the opportunity you see it to be? And look, you know, I get stuck in traffic too and wasn't used to that. You know, I could drive from the Trobe Street down to the National Australia Bank in eight minutes now, it takes me 12, you know. But <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, we're in a real bad luck, aren't we? Yeah. But you know what? The, I, you do hear that. Um, but it's all about change, isn't it? We we need to be flexible and we need to learn how to change. It's all a mindset, really. And that's probably one of the keys is, is your mindset. But, yeah, it's probably a throwaway comment, Michael. I don't know. I, I think it's just about adjustment and I'm... I'm one of the culprits sometimes, um, but hopefully we can we, we'll improve. We'll improve, and we'll see some. We'll see um, Ballarat continue to grow, and we'll be fine. What What you've shown is that growth leads to opportunity, growth leads to jobs, growth leads to connections, growth leads to a better community, uh, and when you start putting all those things together. It's a bit more than just cars on the road, isn't it? And maybe we can put up with an intersection that's, that's chock-a-block when we know we're actually in it, living in a really connected community and, and the people have got opportunities to grow and develop and uh, that's the upside of it.
Troy, I'm going to finish on a question. It's why I ask each of my guests. Um, it's a bit strange, um, but I'm going to get you to finish this sentence for me. It's a simple sentence, and I'm going to ask you to finish the sentence that starts with, it all comes down to... Hard work, resilience, consistency. Troy Beeston, it's been a delight. Thank you. Really appreciate your time today. And uh, we look forward to seeing how Eureka Concrete continues to grow in this busy town. Thank you very much, Michael.